listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus left. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we do not know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the others, the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, went in also. And he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she stooped and looked in and saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where, where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. It's Easter Sunday. Why, why, why are you here? What are you expecting? Think about it. 
What expectations did you carry in with you today as you entered the building? What did you think you would see? See, when Mary Magdalene went to the tomb of Jesus that day, she was expecting to encounter death. Mary went there to finish preparing the body of Jesus to rest in that tomb eternally. And as she approached the tomb, something felt off. It felt off. She, the stone that covered the entrance to the tomb was moved away. Once her mind caught up with what her eyes were seeing, the first thing Mary thought, Mary's thoughts jumped to was theft. I think it's interesting that when Mary came expecting death, that that's what she saw in the empty tomb, death. It makes me wonder how many times God is trying to show us life and we can't see it because our expectations don't point to the true God, but the God we can comprehend. A God that can be fully realized. A God in a box of our design. It makes me wonder how many times in our day-to-day life that God is putting his wonders on display and we can't see them because we don't expect him to be wonderful. Mary Magdalene showed up to the tomb that day and instead of death, she experienced life. It just wasn't until Jesus said her name that she realized it, right? All Jesus did was say her name, and all of the sudden, it sinks in. There will be no bodily preparations today, for Jesus is personally present, standing right in front of her, saying her name. And then right then and there, all of the sudden, her mind was opened to the life of God. So again, I ask you, what did you come expecting today? Because today I'm asking you to put aside whatever tangible truths you think that you know and can hold on to and open yourself up to the life of God. Of God. I'm here to tell you that where there is sickness, there is healing to be had. Where there are broken relationships and marriages, there is restoration. Where there is great need, there is abundant provision. Where there was once death, there can be life. All because of this Jesus, this king who took the wrath of God for us because of our sin, and he died in our place on the cross. But that wasn't the end of the story. See, the cross wasn't Jesus' final destination. There's something we, that, that's something we believers sometimes get wrong, I feel like. We, we've been in a series right now called The Way of the Cross, and you might be like, Jason, it's Easter Sunday. Why are you still harping on the cross? Come on. 
give me some empty tomb, bro. (laughs) Well, the truth is that the way of the cross doesn't end on Good Friday because the cross doesn't end in death. Death is just a pit stop along the way. The way of the cross doesn't end at all because it leads to life, eternal life. The way of the cross goes from life to life. Jesus went from glory to glory so that we can go from grace to grace. That means even in the midst of carrying your cross, even in the face of death, you can have joy because If you call Jesus Savior and Lord, you have have a future joy that will surpass every expectation in your wildest dreams. And it goes beyond death. This is the rhythm that Jesus set for us in our lives with his life death, and resurrection, selflessly carrying a cross that wasn't even his to bear and holding on to joy in the midst of suffering. He says it to his disciples plain as day, like he couldn't say it any plainer in Mark 8, chapter uh, chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. It's on the screen if you want to read along. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So let's break that down for just a moment. Let's just break that down for a bit. So what does it mean to carry your cross? In verse 34, Jesus makes it very clear that to follow him, to be his disciple, you must first deny yourself. And what else? Take up your cross. When you think of the cross, I think of what Jesus went through on his journey through death. He faced an enormous amount of opposition, much of it in an official capacity from the Jewish and Roman leadership. Jesus also endured a massive amount of shame. When someone was was being hung on the cross, it was a very public shaming of that person because they would be spit on and screamed at, mocked and taunted mercilessly. Jesus' path to the cross was the most brutal act in, in, in human history because not only did he face human wrath, but he faced the wrath of God that was ours. This led to more physical pain than is humanly imaginable. And eventually it led to death. These four things are what I think of when we talk about carrying your cross. Taking up your cross means facing opposition, enduring public shame, experiencing pain, and eventually we will die. That doesn't sound like very much fun to me. I don't know about you guys, 
But it just, that's not very appealing. And Jesus knew it because in, in verse 34, before saying, take up your cross, Jesus tells his disciples to deny yourself. Because if we're really being honest, the self that lives inside of us would rather live for acceptance, glory, comfort, and safety, right? But that's not the example Jesus set, nor is it what he calls his followers to. So to come after Jesus, he tells us that we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, which if we're doing it right will lead to opposition, public shame, pain, and death. And we, and we don't endure these things just because, just like willy-nilly. We don't endure these things just because but because Jesus says that this is the way to save our life. If anyone would come after me, let, me deny, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Jesus doesn't call us to endure these things just because... He's not saying go out looking for pain and opposition. He calls us to these things for the gospel and his name's sake. But also because in the upside down world of the kingdom of God, this is the path that leads to life. Save your life and you will lose it. But lose your life for the gospel and you will save it. Is that what you've come to do today? To come after Jesus in this way? If it sounds like something that is beyond your capability on your own, good! That means we're getting somewhere, right? Like, because the truth is you need the grace of Jesus to follow the path of Jesus. And that's exactly what the resurrection allows us to do. It allows us to live in our future joy of eternal life with God while carrying our cross in the present. And Jesus made the way for that to be possible, but not only possible, he set the example of how we run the race that we call life well. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he says, uh, um, it says, uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which cling so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that future joy, the joy that was set before him, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Even now, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the one who for the future joy of his glory in our restored relationship with the Father, endured the cross. This same Jesus, even now, is, seating, is seated at the right hand of the Father, awaiting the day that he can bring our perfection 
that began on the cross to completion. And that day is coming. And the kingdom of God is at hand. This is the path that leads to resurrection life. This is the path Jesus set before us and said, follow me, follow me. But as I said in the beginning, carrying our cross is not the final destination. Oh no. It's just a a pit stop in the scope of eternity. And that's what we are promised, eternity with God. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 57 says, What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. Now, get this. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when we are dying, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So why are you here today? What did you expect? What did you come expecting? Because just like Mary Magdalene, whether you're aware of it or not, you are experiencing life. The resurrection life of Jesus is yours for the taking. Jesus is calling your name today. He is personally present before you. Jesus is asking you to awaken to the truth of his life. To open your mind to the life of God. This may feel countercultural and for good reason because it is. In all the areas in your life where you are expecting to encounter death, what if you shifted your expectations in the light of Jesus' life? What if instead of expecting another day at a thankless job, what if you lived out the resurrection life in it? What if instead of continuing to follow a pattern of destruction in our marriages, we became more selfless and invited the way of the cross to revive love again? 
What if instead of accumulating comfort and glory for ourselves, we wasted it all on Jesus for his namesake and for the sake of the gospel? What if we took God out of the box that we have created for him in our minds? What if we realize that God can't be fully realized by us because he's beyond our comprehension? What if we stopped expecting to encounter so much death and we began to pray and have joy and live the way of the cross into those dark areas? What if we began to expect hope where there once was despair? Joy where there once was sorrow. Love where there once was hate. Life where there once was death. Because there is resurrection life to be had. And knowing Jesus is the only way to experience it. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And guys, I'm not going to pretend like the path is easy. It's not easy. And it may look different than you think. But the promise is eternal. Forever. I want to invite the worship team to come come back up. And I want to move us into a time of prayer. So first and foremost... If you haven't accepted this resurrection life for your own, if you have never experienced a connection with Jesus that is both Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. I promise you, if you do, it won't, life won't get easy, but it'll be worth it. I promise you. So I want to invite you to make that connection to Jesus today. I want us to pray, and I just want everybody to pray this prayer out loud after me. Repeat after me. And if you're praying it for the first time, I know I said this last week, but if you're praying it for the first time, this is your moment. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. If this is your first time praying the salvation prayer, I would encourage you today, right after service, to tell someone. Whether it be the person that you came with, or I would love to know, or anybody on our leadership would would love to talk to you and just celebrate with you and come alongside you in your journey. So, if you're praying this 
prayer for the first time and you mean it. You are handing your life over to Jesus for his resurrection life. I want you to share. So let's pray. Just everybody repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death and to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sins, my self-centeredness, in every part of my life that does not please you. I choose you. I give my life to you. I receive your forgiveness. And ask you to take your rightful place. In my life as Lord and Savior. Come reign in my heart. Fill me with your love. Your life. And help me become a person who is truly loving. A person like you. Restore me, Jesus. Live in me. Love through me. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, maybe you started out not knowing that you meant it. And as we went, you began to mean it. Tell somebody. In fact, right now, just squeeze the hand of the person you're with or something. Poke them. I don't know. But let somebody know so we can journey with you and celebrate Jesus for you. Now, I feel like there's, there's, there's some other prayer work to be done. And I just want to invite those who are on our prayer team that are here today forward um, that are willing to pray with people. I feel like there are people here today that are experiencing death and darkness in, their, in areas of their life that they believe that there is no hope. I believe there is a hopelessness in some, some of you here today in your lives. And I want to invite you to come pray with our prayer team and invite resurrection life into those areas that have so much death and darkness. I'm telling you guys right now, the enemy is going hard after marriages right now. I, I'm not even joking. I hear it almost every day. Cover your marriage in prayer. If you're struggling, there is no shame. We would love to pray with you and help you. 
If you're wrestling with depression or anxiety, we would love to pray with you. If there's a family situation in your life right now that seems beyond hope, I'm very familiar with that. I would love to invite resurrection life into that family situation. If you have a health concern, we would love to pray healing over you. I just want to open this time up now to bring our prayer team forward and, um, and just pray over those that need it. So if you need prayer, just come up to the front row and somebody will join you. And we would just love to pray for you. We're going to just play some music quietly in the background for a few moments, and then we'll sing another song. podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.